What is your experience with self-sabotage? I mean, it's a lot. It's a le- there's a lengthy. <sighs> I always say, my um, my thorn <laughs> is self-sabotage. My biggest downfall has been self-sabotage. But now I don't berate myself for it. It's a learned behavior, and so that's the most exciting part about exploring these experiences we have an opportunity to evolve and we're not limited to one way of being for the rest of our lives but yeah so my experience with self-sabotage has been quite broad really it's not only relating to intimate romantic relationships it could also be professional and it could also just be with the relationship with myself I mean, it's it's ongoing. It's basically been my entire life. Well, yeah. Self-sabotage has just been there. I'm just saying, like, it's it's lingered for as long as I can remember. But it also in the same way that, like, other... I don't know if it's... What would, you, would you call it an emotion? No, it's more of, like, a, a phenomenon. But also in the same way that, like, self-doubt has been there my entire life. Self-confidence has been there my entire life. You know, it's just... It's come and gone. I think the self-sabotage comes from the subtle accumulation of habits that take us further and further from ourselves. I think it tends to be more powerful now because it's different when you're in fifth grade. There's less you can self-sabotage yourself about, right? There's like homework. Are you relating self-sabotage to procrastination? Well, procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. I'd say my main form of self-sabotage would be like... Mainly procrastination and laziness and honestly, honestly, comfort, which is the enemy of progress. It's, it's, it's nice to have comfort and it's nice to see comfort, but it also, you know, it also can kind of become this like throw pillow of flopping yourself onto every time things get hard. That's definitely a form of, of self-sabotage. Lying is a huge form of self-sabotage, especially, and we've talked about this before, but white lying which is just an unnecessary type of lying. You know, it's it's so... Because white lies hack away. White lies feel... Com- they feel comfortable enough to be fired like a paintball gun. It's easy to fire them, and they don't really leave the same damage as an actual gun, but it hacks away at any sort of trust foundation. If you hit your best friend's dog with a car, and you told them, oh, I never... I didn't hit your dog with a car... That's a humongous lie, and that's a maker, a, a friendship maker breaker, basically, right? But if you told your best friend things like, "Oh, I didn't take that item from your house. I didn't steal a dollar out of your wallet the other day. I didn't like send myself three dollars on Apple Pay where you weren't there. I didn't, oh I didn't take your, I didn't take your LaCroix. No, 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 I'm just saying this is an example. I didn't take your LaCroix out of the fridge. Over time, that that builds up, and it's much more of a long term kind of dissolvement you know and that's that shit is to be honest that's probably like one of the biggest to me that's like the biggest one where self-sabotage is like being comfortable enough to lie to someone that you just do it habitually and the lies are so small and and yet one by one they're just whittling away at this this foundation of trust that you have with someone and then eventually it fucking breaks have you have you experienced what you're talking about right now with all of these little white lies 
leading to the demise of your friendships? Yeah, I've, I've both been on the receiving end and the giving end. And um, the middle of college, it was probably the worst it ever was. And it, it led to the demise of a relationship of mine. One of the one of the errors of the relationship, because it went through many errors. It is an unconscious subversion, disruption, or obstruction to hinder your own cause or endeavor. Okay. You consciously have a desired outcome, but occasionally you work against yourself unconsciously. Um, have you any experience with this? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah. Even now, even now I do. It's like more or less because uh, well, self sabotage happens in relationships with people as well as work. Yeah, definitely. And when I get when I give someone a message, I kind of expect uh, a reply, especially if it's a business message, within like three to four hours, if not less. And then I'll start getting worried. I was going to be on a feature film as a gaffer with uh, gear here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina with uh, Emma Roberts. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I got to snag this job. Uh, send them another friendly message. Hopefully it works out in my favor. But eventually... I start offering too much, or I start coming down too much, and then I look needy, yeah. and then I, I lose the job. Um, this is a relationship I had in college, and uh, I had just I'd gotten so clever and crafty and so comfortable with not spinning the truth, but bending it ever so slightly like, like a psychic with a spoon. I was just like doing it all the time, and it caught up with me. It was never the same after that, even though we got back together, and I stopped doing it. Like, you know, when like a beaver chews around a tree and then the tree just falls, even though he hasn't chewed all the way through, it's like just fragile enough that it just falls. It was very much like that. And we never got the full degree of trust back. Yeah. It's happened with some friendships too. Once you become used to the feeling of messing up, even in the smallest of ways and messing up in a small, a smaller way, I think is harder for some people because it's something that's so the more minuscule a fuck up the harder it is i think for someone to, to own up to it because they they kind of see themselves as like above it right like if i leave a sock on the counter like on the kitchen counter my roommate's trying to cook and he's like you left your fucking sock i'm gonna feel <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna feel no this is okay. i that's much more something that i feel like or the old me would and like look sometimes it still happens here and there my life but I feel like that's something that someone would would want would be much more likely to lie about. What? Oh God! That's not, I don't want that ever. I never want to see that again. Um, good Lord. I think we self sabotage because of fear. Fear is such a tricky little liar because it's as if it's easier to believe or think the worst of something. We take disappointment so personally in life from such an early age that by the time we've developed most of our core or the most pronounced behaviors that we have in our personality, a lot of it is heavily rooted in this backwards thinking that's not to say any one way of thinking is wrong or right but in terms of self-sabotage relating to connection and understanding and growth i know that i've self-sabotaged relationships in the past 
by thinking the worst and really being thinking the worst like imagining the worst case scenario and i know it's something i developed at such a young age i mean so 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 much so that i don't even feel like that belief is my own i don't feel like it's truly me A more minuscule fuck up is harder for people to own up to because they feel like they're above it. I know that I'd be more obligated. I'd feel more obligated to lie about something like, oh, my sock wasn't on the kitchen counter in a roommate situation than I would, you know, if I accidentally like total, you know, my uncle's Rolls Royce, you know? So, the dollar thing is a little, it's macabre. It's macabre. Um, I don't want people to think that you're not afraid of anybody's dog because they definitely didn't. But yeah, it's you know it's harder to break the normal of of wet lying. So that's one of the worst forms of self sabotage. And then there are other things like, um, yeah, I don't actually I don't want to talk about it. edit this part out. I was gonna mention another thing, but I don't want to talk about it. You can just keep talking about something else. Okay, but yeah, that's I'd say the biggest ones. Yeah, white lying. Laziness, excess comfort, comfort. passion, passionate, passive aggressiveness. Passionate, passive aggressiveness? Yeah, passion aggressiveness. But passive passive aggressiveness, by far, is a form of self-sabotage that so many people are unaware unaware of because it's it's kind of inherent in a lot of people's DNA. And for me, I, I know I'm someone that I like to think that I would, I'd like to think that I'm a forwards person and often oftentimes I am but there are moments which I I can be passive aggressive without even realizing it if someone hasn't if someone's ignored me for a really long time and then there's an opportunity opportunistic moment for them to not and they reach out to me I probably wouldn't respond or depending on the person is but I might not respond and that lack of response is passive aggressiveness, you know. It's, and again, that might be that could be self sabotage because it's like, you know, if you if you rebuild that golden gate with that person, if you're willing to rebuild that golden gate despite their shortcomings previous, you know, you might end up in a in a better situation. You might end up happier. You might end up discovering something new with them. You might not. And I think recently I've been trying, I've been trying that out, you know, instead of like, for my, this is a good example. My show the other day, there was a laundry list of people who I invited who couldn't come and their excuses were bountiful. But instead of doing what I would have done maybe four years ago, which is just not respond, leave them on red. Like, no, actually I never, I never would have, I never would have said anything. I would have probably left them on red. I responded to every single person and I said, thank you so much for trying you know, if they were sick, hope you feel better. If they couldn't come, be like, that's okay next time. You know, just... That's a huge step. You know, just... That's a huge difference. Yeah, like, putting putting the pedal to the metal on the, on the kindness accelerator and kind of just, like, seeing where that gets me. And it, fe- it feels better, you know. As, as my best friend Zach always says, you get farther with honey than you do vinegar. And... Aww. That's... Zach says that? Yeah. That's so sweet. Uh, so I. But that's not true. It can be true. Vinegar's alkaline properties or anti-alkaline properties. 
much more pepper. I mean, honey does contain a lot of probiotics, but I mean, it depends on the quality of vinegar and honey, I guess. Together, they might be, you know, together warm. You know, Irish, with some Irish liqueur, they might be, like, the ultimate um, fight night drink. But, yeah, I mean, that's just an example of a way I'm trying to avoid self-sabotaging. That was a great example. And thank you yeah. so much for your time. That's it? Yeah. That's all I need. What, what else do you want to know? What okay. else do I want to know? I'm ready. I'm, 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 now I'm ready. Well, you're collaborating with Zach Denike. He's one of your closest friends. So what is that experience like working together versus um, being friends? I love me some Zach. We started off as – we very quickly became friends unanimously. We very quickly became friends alongside the music-making process because the music-making process is, to me, what builds the closest friendships because you have that uh, – the inner workings of making a song. And you share the live experience. So I just love – being Zach's friend because I get to know Zach as a person and I love making music with Zach because it's just such an enjoyable experience and he's so talented musically and then they begin to like eke into each other right I can write a song with Zach and custom tailor it to what he's going through do a duet with him right fake or the new song we're working on and I can feel that we both and and I can be aware that we've both gone through this together because of maybe something that happened to us during our friendship and uh, I can feel, um, I can truly feel that it's coming from, you know, the same place in this artist it's coming from in my heart, right? Versus like working with someone remotely, like getting a verse over fucking Google Drive, which is terrible. And then vice versa, right? Being his friend, you know, we can go out for a night on the town, but, you know, we could be in the elevator on the way up to the top floor of the club singing a song we made together. And that's just something that, only we have, you know, just as a duo. So it's it's wonderful. <laughs> and it must be to be able to cultivate a friendship with Zach and to also make music with him. To be on that personal level with him, like you're saying, I'm sure it adds to the authenticity of the music itself. Yeah. I mean, I'm extremely comfortable making music with Zach, but that's besides the point. I think the most, the, the biggest catalyst that a friendship has on a musical chemical reaction is the euphoria that propels the work ethic forward. I mean, I've had days where I started with nothing and within four hours, there's some point we've lashed onto something and we have a song. It, it's almost like it, it takes off like a fucking SSC thrust or like the Richard Branson space jet. I don't even know what it's called, but it just takes off so quickly because we're so excited to make it that the whole process of making the song is so much easier because these ideas are just coming from all directions and and we're like trying some of them out and we're trying some of them don't work and some of them do and you know it, it's definitely again better than you know collaborating with someone that you've never met and collaborating with someone remotely who you have no sort of connection with because then it's just kind of like almost like a slog it's almost like yard work it's like it's like construction work. It's just like, all right, I gotta fucking drag over the jackhammer over here and just like nail the ground. Like doing it with Zach, doing it with Will, even any of my best friends. Um, it's just it's effortless. It's it's, and I'm, I'm not, that's not to say that the songs are, and the process is you know peachy keen 100 percent of the time. But at the rate where we go at is is 
I'd say 95% of the time, it's effortless. It's just like, it's gliding, you know. It's Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack would say it's skating, you know. I just listened to that song for the first time last night. <laughs> Is there another musician you've mentored or trained? Describe what you've done for them. I don't think I'd ever, at this point in my life, credit myself as anybody's mentor or trainer. I've had I've had musicians who I've worked with who I've showed things to, but they've also showed things to me, so I wouldn't ever say that I've mentored anybody. Maybe when I at 61 years old, that's something that I can say for sure. Yeah. 61. 61. Okay. Oh, how do you deal with your performance anxiety? I don't really get it anymore. My performance anxiety, my anxiety is mostly pre-performance. It's worrying about whether the things will sound the way they should sound or where the band members remember the parts. But do you always go on first? No, sometimes I go on last. I never really have anxiety while performing ever. Ever. Because I'm usually performing with my eyes closed. It's just something I've done. This time I tried to open them more. But most of the time they're closed. It's just the way it happens. So I don't – and it's not to say that even if I saw the crowd, I wouldn't really be that anxious because I know the same reason I never really got anxiety during college, during exam, during finals week is like I knew that at a certain point the exam would be over. 24 hours from worrying about it, I would never have to think about it again. And a show is the similar way. It's like, you know, you've got a certain amount of time to deliver something and – What? Yeah, but it – I mean that doesn't really matter. It's like – First of all, I know I know the the parts. Second of all, like I know if everyone else were to start really fucking up, what was that for? I went over my arm I'm like a cat. I'm like, first of all, I know that if all the musicians on the stage, if all else fails, if there's a total breach in the system, I would just be like, guys, and I would turn to the crowd and just give them uh, an hour of music, just me on piano. And I I know that's just like a Jedi mind thing. I just know I could do it. I don't ever worry about it. It's just something I go. So there's always that. Like, I don't have, like, the, the same fear that people who, like, dream about them, about themselves being, like, naked, having to give a graduation speech do because um, I'm just aware that there's always one in the future. There's always – I'm going to perform so many more times in my life that at the end of this hour, you know, like, it's just about the next time I'll have that, that hour. It's just about the next one. But I never really get anxiety in public anymore, really, in front of people. I just, I, I don't, and I sometimes maybe wish I did because it would kind of, well, I don't know if it would motivate me more. I like that I don't get it, I guess. I think a lot of it comes from the same feeling that they say, like, parents get when their child is trapped under a car or a rock a huge rock and they just are able to lift the car it's like adrenaline it's adrenaline strength almost it's like the power to push on comes from just the absolute adrenaline that's flowing through me you know i could definitely see that you're a great performer thank you i appreciate it you're welcome you're a great watcher (laughs) (laughs) thank you i do my best um all right it's good having you thank you mina